Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here they come on third and five. Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes. He's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass. Wilson stays in bounds. He's still going. And he's in. Touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore. The 20. The 10. The 5. Touchdown. Two is buried. Oh, Sauce Gardner. Here he goes! Goodbye and hello Enzo! And Dyke swarmed, swallowed, and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen. Thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. It's time to take a look at the All-22 film from the Jets' week number one performance against the Baltimore Ravens. They lost the game 24-9 on the field, dominated, but was there more to it? When you look at the All-22, we're going to find out with our friend, who runs all the film for us over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet, the thunder from down under Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, what's up, brother? Scott, I'm doing okay. Probably as well as can be expected after flicking through hours of film, watching the Jets lose to Baltimore, score nine points, go 0 for 8 on third down, all those fun things. But I have to say defensively, there were a lot of positives. I'm sure we'll touch on them. So it was a mixed bag, but hopefully once the quarterback play improves, Hopefully in the next couple of weeks with Zach, we'll, uh, we'll see the drastic improvements. Luke, since you brought up the defense, let's start with a little sunshine. I've been talking about how well DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner played. They were arguably the best cornerback tandem in the NFL in week number one. And I think that they have a chance to be a top five cornerback tandem going forward. The Jets may have two legitimate number one caliber cornerbacks, which is incredibly rare. You and I both like DJ Reed's tape a lot and thought he was undervalued during free agency. We also both really like Sauce Gardner and think he can be an excellent player. 
So watching these two do what they did against the Baltimore Ravens and a former MVP at quarterback still in the prime of his career in Lamar Jackson, incredibly impressive. You've got a video up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet, breaking down everything that you saw from Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on Sunday against the Ravens. Talk a little bit about that for me if you could. Yeah, sometimes the numbers lie, Scott, and the statistics don't always tell the truth. These two guys were phenomenal both in the box score and also when you looked at the All-22. One completion between the two of them for eight yards, which was thrown to Source Gardner when he missed the tackle in the flat. Outside of that, they had a pass breakup each. DJ Reed obviously had uh, the incredible and athletic interception along the right boundary for the Jets. Uh, high point of the football, a spectacular play. Source had a really nice pass breakup on Mark Andrews. As you kind of prefaced through the week on Twitter, before the game, Scott, he was going to see some time on Andrews because the Jets automatically understand that Source is their best weapon in shutting down elite-level tight ends or the opposition's best player, and that's exactly what happened for Robert Sala. Uh, in general, the thing that stood out about Source in the draft process, Scott, a lot of people got caught up, myself included, in how good the press skills were and how good he could be with his length and physicality in man coverage. But if you think back to December, January, when people talked about Source Gardner, they talked about the best zone corner in the draft. And that's exactly what we saw on Sunday against the Ravens. There were two plays in particular that really stood out. The first was actually, ironically, on a negative play for the Jets. It was on uh, Joyner's DPI. Uh, when he ran into the receiver um, on Lamar Jackson's deep ball, they end up scoring on the end of that drive. What was so impressive about that is just the instincts and the understanding of what the defense and what, sorry, what the offense and what Baltimore were trying to do to him. They're running a cover three beater. So they're trying to sell that it's an over route and a sale route. They want Source to pass the over route over to the free safety, which is Joyner. And then they want him to drive on the sale route, which is like an out towards the boundary. They want him to, to, to bite down on that. Then they want to bring that over route and pivot it and head back towards the sideline on a deep route and throw it straight over Source's head as he drives on that sale route I was talking about he's so intelligent that he understood uh, not only the the route combination and the concept that they were trying to do but he read the eyes of Lamar Jackson a huge part of playing zone and then had the speed because he has that 4-3 speed and that 6-2-6-3 frame to get back and to get to the spot obviously Joyner ultimately runs into the receiver it's a DPI but that was a fantastic play I think one that a lot of people would have missed but it was one of my favorites that I saw throughout the day and then obviously the pass breakup with Andrews. It's been circulating a lot on social media, but you saw him point to the tight end or the fullback leaking out of the flats. Uh, you saw that he then had the catch up and make up speed. He had the play on the ball. It was just spectacular. So I thought he was fantastic. And then when you're speaking about DJ Reed, Scott, it was just the epitome of consistency. Cover three, cover four looks. I thought he was spectacular. Um, he did everything he could have done. He had the pass breakup where he closed on the football, reading the receiver and the tight end and went to break i already mentioned the the uh the interception in a cover four shell those two guys were spectacular and i can't wait to see more of them we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, for as good as the cornerbacks were, the safeties were really rough on Sunday. LaMarcus Joyner got taken advantage of, of course got called for that really bad penalty down deep in Jets territory that eventually led to a Ravens touchdown. And Jordan Whitehead, good in the box, he can tackle, he can stop the run. Do not leave him alone in coverage because he's going to give up big plays, which is exactly what happened. He gave up two touchdowns against the Baltimore Ravens. Talk to me a little bit about what you saw from those safeties because from what I saw, it did not look pretty. Yeah, it didn't look pretty on review either, Scott. I, there's no better way to sugarcoat the way the safeties played. Join like a guy who hadn't played free safety in three years. And that's exactly what they had. A guy who didn't see the field last year and before that was going through his slot and, and um, strong safety experiment and hadn't really been playing his true position since he played in LA with the Rams or probably the St. Louis Rams back then. So that was what you saw from him. As far as Whitehead, there were some flashes. I think you saw what he could do in the box, as you mentioned. I think there was definitely some some positive plays there. I looked at the second touchdown. I think it was the second touchdown, the one where he jumped on Mark Andrews on the, the deep hook route, and he took that away. I actually think he made a pretty good decision. I think you saw a lack of communication and, and understanding of that partnership, that if he's going to jump on that hook route, that Joyner then has to carry uh, the wide receiver on the over route across the field. I think you saw probably inexperience there. So I think Whitehead is, is going to be okay in coverage. I know it wasn't the most flattering stat line. I think I saw more out of him than I did out of Joyner. Joyner was a concern. I, I mentioned um, the play where uh, Source Gardner ended up having the pass breakup. He was backpedaling like 30 yards from the line of scrimmage, but there was nothing entering his deep middle third zone. And I just looked at it and went, what are you trying to cover there? So there was too many instances where I just saw LaMarcus Joyner putting himself in bad positions, not understanding what was entering his zone, what was threatening his section of the field. And, and that concerned me, but... Overall, the pair was extremely disappointing. And I think we have to remember Baltimore doesn't have a great bunch of wide receivers. And the fact that they were still able to take us deep, we've seen that a lot. We saw Robbie Anderson take the top off against Redwine uh, week one last year. It's been a bit of a theme for the safeties. If we're going to get the premium corner play, you need to at least get adequate play from your safeties. The Jets need to improve at that position. Obviously, it's not going to be personnel change, so they just need to play better. 
At linebacker, you've got a video that's going to be up on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, breaking down what you saw from Quan Alexander in his first game as a Jet. C.J. Mosley made some plays, and so did Quincy Williams, but Quan Alexander really stood out to me. There was that one play. It was a screen all the way across the field. Quan Alexander's closing speed seemed otherworldly as he went all the way across the field to make that tackle. Talk to me about what you saw from Quan Alexander and the rest of the linebacker group. Yeah, Quan was spectacular. I honestly don't think he made a mistake, and that's saying something when you're coming into uh, probably the most difficult position to play in the NFL. He's had some time out with injuries, was inconsistent over the last two years with playing time. That Scott, sorry, that that play you mentioned, Scott, where he was coming from, it's third and one or third and two. The Ravens are in a heavy package. He's playing almost as a stand-up outside linebacker on the right-hand side of the Jets' formation. They snap the ball. They run to the right. He just goes flying like his hair's on fire across the Jets' formation along the line of scrimmage. He understands the hole that the running back's trying to hit. And then to prevent him uh, falling forward and getting the first down, he destroys him, a fantastic hit, and he gets the, the Jets off the field and the Ravens have to punt. That was spectacular. But there were other things that maybe you don't think about in Quan Alexander's game. You, we know he has the speed in that sideline to sideline. I had a good video of, of what he could do um, in the preseason talking about Quan and that signing. There was a play that really excited me uh, kind of later in the game. The Ravens are trying to run a bit of a pin-pull look. They're getting... Um, Tyler Lindenbaum, their rookie center out in space, someone who had quite a lot of success in those running looks throughout the game and taking on second second level defenders. And Quan Alexander met him in the hole and was just an absolute force, threw him to the side and then affected the play. And it was a you know one yard gain. You don't often think of him as the guy who's going to take on the 300, 310 pound pulling guard or center. So that was awesome to see. And then in coverage, there were two examples that stood out to me. One where he kind of had really good zone integrity, was deep in his drop in a cover three zone, and then came up and made the hit on the running back, got the Jets off the field on third and long. And another one where, again, in a third down shell, something we saw lots from Robert Suller again on Sunday, uh, he was the the almost the, the slot corner position because Michael Carter was off the field due to the personnel the Ravens were playing. They were in a heavy 22 set. So he was on the field. He had to carry the number two receiver vertically down the field and did a fantastic job preventing the ball from going there. So I think across the board, he was great. There were inconsistencies from, um, uh, I was about to say Quinn and Williams. He was really good. But uh, from Quincy Williams, he had some some plays where he was just absolutely flying like Quan Alexander. But then again, somewhere he lapped lacked gap integrity and those kind of things that we've become familiar with with Quincy. Mosley was pretty solid, but yeah, Quan was definitely the standout that second level for the Jets. We've talked a lot, Luke, in the offseason about how improved the defensive line was, but Quinnen Williams is the guy that everybody has been saying needs to step up this year, not only for the team, but for himself, because he's got a big contract on the line. He had a huge game. Not that I'm big on PFF necessarily, but they said this was his highest graded PFF game ever. We know he had that big play with the pass deflection on third down to hold the Ravens to a field goal instead of a touchdown after Joe Flacco had that bad interception. Jacob Martin had a half sack in his Jets debut. Jermaine Johnson had a half sack in his very first game as a New York Jet coming into the NFL. The Jets did a really good job 
of keeping the Ravens from doing any damage, rushing the ball. Lamar Jackson had a play or two, but mostly he used his legs to extend plays rather than being able to get major rushing yards like he usually does. So the Jets did a good job in that regard. What did you see positively and negatively here? Because I don't want to make this only a positive about that defensive line. There were some times that Lamar Jackson got way too much time to throw. So talk to me a little bit about your overall observations from the defensive line in game one. Yeah, I think overall the the pass rush was probably inconsistent is the best way to say it. I think there were moments where they looked really damaging. Um, But the thing that impressed me the most was, number one, they contained Lamar Jackson. The Jets have struggled to contain mobile quarterbacks, whether it's Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, anyone else that has any kind of legs, Tyrod Taylor. We've had serious trouble against those, you know, style of quarterback. To hold that offense and that running game to, I'm not sure what the final figure was, but around 70 rushing yards is a phenomenal effort. I think it's the second best rushing attack in the NFL. The duality of Lamar Jackson and what he brings as a as a runner and on the ground is extremely difficult to contain. So I thought Quinton Williams was the cornerstone of everything the Jets did in both pass and run defense. Speaking specifically about the run defense, the way he was able to take on and absorb double teams and something that the casual viewer might not pick up and people were saying, is Quinnen Williams doing anything today? Quinnen was spectacular. He did a fantastic job. It, it isn't always going to be penetration and shooting the gap in run D. Sometimes it's standing up to these bodies and opening lanes up for these linebackers and guys like Quincy and Quan Alexander to go through the hole and make a play. I thought Carl Lawson had a couple of really good reps um, as an outside contain uh, and not allowing uh, himself to get carried away and get to north-south down the field and giving Lamar Jackson an out. And you see that 20-yard run that often pops up almost every single game for Lamar. So I thought he did some nice things as well. Um, and then speaking specifically more about the passing, uh, the pass rushing and, and how they, they fared there, I thought – uh, Jermaine Johnson had a couple of flushes going around the edge. Again, no surprise to see that his two best wins are on kind of cross-chop or Euro-step footwork, moving to the outside, creating space. We saw it in college. I feel like I talked about it ad nauseum with him and the way he plays stylistically. And once again, it comes back to Quinnen Williams. I think Quinnen had three or four reps one-on-one against Tyler Nabom where he gave him that kind of push-pull and ripped him out of the way. You mentioned the one on third down to have the pass break up. He had another one where he got back in his lap and caused an incompletion. Um, there was a rep against the left guard where he just went straight through his chest too. He wasn't discriminating. He was going through everybody. So I thought it was fantastic from Quinnen. Um, third highest rated defensive lineman, according to PFF in the NFL last week. So he was fantastic on the interior Um, but overall I think the group was was mixed I think they'll have more success this week going against Brissett even though he has some legs to him he's not Lamar Jackson you can kind of you know pin your ears back and go a little bit more against him so look it's going to be a test they go from one of the best rushing attacks to probably the best rushing attack so we'll see how they fare this week against Cleveland should mention that you've got a video coming on Quinn and Williams on our channel youtube.com slash play like a jet You've also got a video up right now covering the Jets' offensive line play, and you've got one coming on Joe Flacco that's going to be called Joe's Woes, breaking down the trouble that he had in week number one against the Baltimore Ravens. Talk to me a little bit about the dynamic here with the Jets' offensive line and Joe Flacco, because the offensive line 
wasn't good. Lakin Tomlinson had a terrible game, especially for a player of his caliber. George Fant struggled. We know that he's been hurt and also shifting back and forth between left tackle and right tackle. Max Mitchell wasn't good, but he wasn't as bad as we were expecting. Luke, as you said before we started recording, they probably had a tight end helping him on 50% of the plays, so that probably helped limit the damage. Tell me what you saw from the offensive line. And, of course, from Joe Flacco, a player who I thought looked a lot more like a kid who is coming into the league for the first time than somebody who's been in the NFL for 15 years. Yeah, I think it's an interesting dynamic when you talk about the relationship between the pass blocking and Joe Flacco's woes in the pockets and his inability to find targets. For me, it did still start with the defense, uh, the offensive line, and that might sound like a bit of a cop-out, but that first drive that the Jets had when they went, it wasn't three and out because they had a big chunk play on the first um, first running play. But after that, you looked at it, and uh, Lakin Tomlinson got blown straight through his chest uh, against number 92, got in Joe Flacco's lap. Then after that, the next play, it's third down. You've got Fant and Tomlinson both get beaten, and they flash Flacco out of the pocket, and then Max Mitchell's guy absolutely destroys him, and it's an intentional grounding. The ball pops out. And I think from there, Joe started to kind of see things and not have trust in the line, and from there, it obviously got much worse. I'm not making excuses for Joe Flacco. He's a 37-year-old veteran quarterback who's won an MVP in a Super Bowl. He should be able to overcome that. The left side of the line was terrible. That video dropped uh, a couple of days ago now, and... Um, I just talked about eight pressures for Tomlinson is just, it's just not good enough. And his inability to contain the ball rush was extremely problematic um, or even to, to cause a stalemate after he lost initially off the snap and find a way to get out with the draw and move on to the next rep. That was concerning. I thought uh, George Fant, again, uh, tendency to get beaten to the inside, whether it's in quick, quick pass sets, occasionally even on traditional drops. Um, I thought he had some issues there, so that was concerning. Mitchell was was pretty solid. I think he did about as much as you could have hoped. Thank goodness for him. Uh, we're going to see Miles Garrett next week coming more off the right side, attacking George Fance. So that's a, that's a win for him for sure. But then speaking more specifically about Joe Flacco, there were a lot of occasions, Scott, where he missed and left a lot of plays and yards on the field. We were talking before we started recording about uh, the, the touchdown he didn't throw to Garrett Wilson, another one where Elijah Moore was wide open. And there were plays that were there to be had. And when I was watching it originally, you saw that he started to have more time in the pocket. The line did start playing a bit better. And he was double clutching and double pumping the ball. And he didn't trust what he was seeing. And I thought in my head, maybe just no one's open because you can't really see that on the TV film. You don't really know what's happening in the secondary. So I kind of thought, okay, maybe, you know, the guys aren't winning. Humphrey and those guys are playing really well and Joe just can't fit the ball and that's not his fault. You watch it back and there's just guys running open all over the shop and he missed, missed a ton of plays. It was disappointing to see how quick he was to go from read one to check down. The rest of the progression seemed to just be neglected by Joe Flacco. And I understand that he was under pressure and I know it sounds like a bit of a hypocritical thing to say after I've been so negative about the line on the left side of the offensive line but he just needed to hang in there a little bit longer especially when the um protection did start to improve so all in all the offense was was terrible scott i mean to have to go over eight on third downs to average until late in the fourth quarter they did get one late but to average um i think it was eight and a half yards to go on third down that means they weren't they're not winning on early downs either it was just complete incompetence i didn't think mike lafleur had a particularly good game either but realistically you probably give about equal blame to joe flacco and the left side of the line i just think it did start with uh with tomlinson and fant though and they got the ball rolling in a in a negative direction 
Luke, on the subject of wide receivers, Elijah Moore needed to get more than 51 yards this past week for me to win my daily fantasy entries at prizepicks.com. And he came up just short, 49 yards. And as you said, a big part of the reason why is because he was open, but Joe Flacco didn't see him. I'm hoping that changes this week, which is why I'm going to pick Elijah Moore to get more than his player projection at prizepicks.com again this week. The player projection is 50.5. He got 49 last week when Flacco didn't see him and didn't go to him when he should have. I think that he's going to put a much greater emphasis on going to Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, who we'll talk about in a little bit as well. If you want to join me in the fun at prizepicks.com, it's very easy. You just go to prizepicks.com and pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people, just you versus projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch. So if you want to do football, could be the NFL, could be college football, MLB, college basketball, or the NBA, golf, tennis, UFC, whatever you want, it's all there at prizepicks.com. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code PLAJ. If you deposit 100 bucks, Prize Picks will give you 100 bucks. If you deposit 50 bucks, Prize Picks will give you 50 bucks. Don't forget to enter the promo code PLAJ at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks at prizepicks.com. And Luke, Garrett Wilson was open a lot when he was on the field. Wasn't on the field as much as we would have liked, but he was open. Elijah Moore was open. And Corey Davis, who is obviously an afterthought when you talk about the other two guys and how much you're expecting from them, he actually produced quite a bit. Now, he had that one drop. I don't think it was entirely his fault. The ball was wet. The ball was behind him. It wasn't a great throw by Joe Flacco. But as Mike Davis said on the show on Thursday, if the ball hits the skin, you got to bring it in. And so that's why Corey Davis should have had that catch. But I don't think it was as bad of a drop as a lot of other people said. So I actually think we saw a lot to like from the wide receivers. Much of the problems go back to the offensive line and Joe Flacco, but Moore was open, Wilson was open, Davis produced, so you had to like what you saw from that perspective. Yeah, I definitely liked what I saw. I think Elijah and um, and Garrett both getting open a ton. I mean, I already kind of mentioned it. Both of them got missed for what I'd call a touchdown. There were other third downs where they were open. Um, Garrett Wilson snuck over the middle. Uh, against Marlon, Marlon Humphreys, beat him off the line of scrimmage with a really nice release, which is one of his biggest strengths. That didn't end up working out. Uh, Joe Flacco ended up checking down to the running back a little bit early. Actually, no, sorry, he made a great play on fourth down there. But all in all, it just it's good things that you want to see getting open. There was a couple of drops that you, you definitely don't like. Um, obviously, Corey Davis had the half drop. Elijah Moore had a drop on the right sideline as well. But uh, ultimately, I think it was really positive signs. Luke, we saw the debut of the two-headed monster at running back, Michael Carter, who goes into his second season with the Jets, and Brees Hall, second-round rookie, first running back picked in the NFL draft in 2022. I thought we saw some positives. Now, Brees Hall fumbled. That was a rarity for him. He had only fumbled three times in 800 touches 
at Iowa State. But there were plays that we saw from Brees Hall that gave you a glimpse into what you can expect from the Jets. But Carter showed you a lot to like. Once again, refusing to go down on first contact, really amped up, getting the crowd into it, bringing the energy, and having a lot of positive plays. He was really the spark plug that drove the engine of the New York Jets offense. Not that it was an engine that did a whole lot on Sunday against the Ravens, but he did a really good job. There were some struggles there, but Elijah Vera Tucker did a really good job run blocking. Brees Hall had his moments. Michael Carter played really well. You started to see the beginning of what could become a pretty good rushing attack here for the Jets. Yeah, the good thing is they were getting chunk plays. I think that's what's been missing from this offense over the last four or five years really since Chan Gailey in 2015, is the inability to pick up 15-plus yard explosive plays. We saw one off the rip, first uh, offensive snap of the game for the Jets. Michael Carter running to the left side, had a great deal of success. Um, I thought AVT was one of the best uh, players on the field for the Jets in the running game. He had a few struggles in pass pro, but I thought his run blocking again like last year was perfect, jumping straight into right guard and fitting in well. Um, that was something I loved to see. And what I was impressed with, Scott, and this is something I talked about in the offseason, was I thought the Brees Hall pick was most going to benefit Michael Carter. And I think some people got a little bit confused by what I meant, but he's a guy who's always been the lightning to the thunder or, or vice versa, however you want to look at it. He was with Javonte Williams, who struggled mightily in week one um, at UNC, and he was part of that backfield. And now being you know, part of a backfield of 1A, 1B, sharing reps with Brees was going to benefit him. And I think it did. He had averaged six yards a carry. I think he had 60 yards on 10 catches. Uh, sorry, on 10 rushes. He had some catches as well. Um, had one error in pass protection. But other than that, I thought he was really, really good. Brees Hall didn't get a chance to get out in space very often. Yeah, he had the fumble. He had a dropped uh, pass target as well. But overall, I think you saw glimpses. Both their vision was good. They didn't leave yards on the table. It was more just at times they didn't quite get them free. But overall, I think it was one of the bigger positives or probably the only positive from the Jets offense. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the All-22 film of the Jets' Week 1 performance against the Baltimore Ravens with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out the videos that are up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet, and subscribe. What are they going to get when they go over there? And what are they going to see when they visit our store over at tpublic.com? That's tee yeah, the Tee Public stuff is awesome. We've got heaps of merchandise over there. Uh, Zach Wilson-based uh, uh, merch, a couple of designs there that my partner put together. Obviously, Zach coming back in the next couple of weeks, so be ready for that. Um, Quinn and Williams we talked about today was fantastic against Baltimore. We got the Bless You Thank You range with him and JFM, who also flashed a little bit. Um, we've got Play Like a Jet logo merch, so make sure you check it out. It's awesome. Uh, supports the channel, so make sure you help us out and help yourself out and get yourself some some cool merch and designs. And then over on the YouTube, we're going to have four or five All-22 videos every single week. Uh, already mentioned, we have one out this week uh, on the left side of the offensive line, on the cornerbacks, Quinnen Williams, Quan Alexander, Joe Flacco. We're going to get rookie updates throughout the year. There's going to be plenty of uh, videos on Jermaine Johnson, Max Mitchell, Brees Hall, all of those guys. So make sure you stay tuned. There's plenty more coming at the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet and watch all the videos that are up. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. 
That's playlikeajetdigital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.